0: Bomb ba bomb ba bomb bomb ba dang 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 ba dang dang
1: ba ba ba
0: ba 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 dang 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 ba 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 Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. Now, there was no game this Saturday, but we are lucky enough to be joined by an ex-Choronics player instead. As ever, with these pods, I have a couple of our regulars to join me who will be jumping in with questions and comments along the way. Today, we have Steve Dale, a veteran of a few of these ex-player ones now. Hi, Steve.
1: Hi, Steve. How are you doing?
0: I'm all good, thanks. Uh, We've also got Steve Bennett, who is on his first ex-player episode. Hi, Steve. Hello, uh, gents. We best introduce the main man for today, then. He joined the Alex in the summer of 2003, playing for three seasons. It's Adi Moses. Hello, AD.
2: Hi, Stuart. Hi, guys.
0: Thank you for coming on today.
2: No problem. You're very welcome.
0: So uh, we'll get to you signing for crew later, um, but unusually for this, because it seems like we tend to normally have Academy players coming on these pods, uh, but you'd played for 10 seasons or so before... Uh, you joined for Crew, So we'll start at the beginning. Now, most people will probably know that you started playing professionally for Barnsley. I think you made your debut at 18?
2: Uh, yeah, that might be about,
0: about right, I think. What's the story that gets you to that point then? How did you get into Barnsley's first team? Uh, well, the reason I stalled on that with my debut, actually,
2: uh, Stuart, was well, because I, I actually had this conversation last week. Um, I played in a charity golf day, and... Um, in Barnsley last week, and Dean Saunders were on it, and Dean Saunders, um, he he was sat on my table when we were having the dinner at the end, and I got talking to him, so I actually made my debut for Barnsley at Middlesbrough's Ayrson Park, and it was over the Christmas period, you know when it's just after the Boxing Day game, and you've got FA Cup third round coming, and... I played, played in that game and it, it was freezing. It should, the game should never have gone ahead. The, the pitch were like an ice rink. It were absolutely frozen solid, the pitch, to the point where halfway through the first half, some of the subs were coming on and throwing trainers on and we were putting our white trainers on that you'd wear with your tracksuit, which looked a bit stupid. So I um, we ended up playing that game, got to half time. Referee came in and said, look, I should never have started and it got abandoned. So I'm thinking, oh, great. That, that was my debut for Barnsley. Um, I think it might have been a little bit after, I think it's nine about ninety-four, so I'll have been maybe eight, just nineteen, something like that. But um, I'm thinking, well, I've made my debut. What if I never get to play football again? And my debut do not count. So I thought that's a bit unlucky. Fortunately, FA Cup third round were coming around and we'd drawn Aston Villa at home in FA Cup and Dean Saunders were playing in that game, and he were up so he were up front with John Fashion. So obviously that were a bit of a to get into. I've got a picture of somewhere of my dad has where Fashion who was like holding me off with his elbow just poised like towards my <laughs> face. But um but yeah, so that one me Barnsley debut. I kind of had one that weren't and then I've got an official one. So so that were nice. So my official debut does go actually go down as, as the Aston Villa game in the FA Cup, but I did play before that and it were cancelled. So people always remember me about that with Barnsley. But but yeah, I was never at Barnsley when you talk about academies, stuff like that. I was never in the academy as such at Barnsley. I'm a Doncaster lad. I was always attached to Doncaster Rovers. It was called center of excellence, then as it were. Um, you know, kind of then go on to schoolboy forms, that kind of thing. Didn't do a YT. S, as I knew it, your apprenticeship years when you left school with Doncaster um, because it weren't a great setup, if I'm being honest. Um, they weren't really my team. I'd go watch Doncaster, but I won't say I were a Donny Rovers fan. I actually supported Tottenham as a kid uh, just because glen were my favourite player. Um, but I did go and watch Donny because it was local, but they were always third division, fourth division type type team. And um, I'd stayed on at school and did my A-levels. So I did them. Halfway through that, I got a chance of a trial. Uh, Somebody spotted me playing locally for a non-league team. He was a friend of a guy called Eric Wynn Stanley, who was the old first team coach, caretaker manager, ex-player at Barnsley, legend at club, recently passed away, which is a very sad time, Um, you know, proper legend at Barnsley. And... I kind of went there during when I was like 17, during what would have been your YTS years and just got a trial there. And it, it kind of went from there, I got into the youth team, got into the reserves and then into the got a first year pro at, at that time at ni- 1993, when I signed pro, we just signed Viv Anderson and Danny Wilson at Barnsley at that time. Viv coming in as manager, Danny as player coach. I had a year under Anderson, didn't make my debut straight away. And then Brian Robson got the Middlesbrough job. Danny got promoted to, from player coach to player, to player manager. Danny was the one behind, obviously, the promotion to the Premiership in 96-97. That was my breakthrough year and that was kind of my way in at Barnsley and, and some really good times then as a, as a result of that. Because I'd never done that before and for Barnsley to get promoted like we did. But I've been in and out at first team for a couple of years. You try, and, you try and make your way as a young kid. Um, met your debut, like I say, that, that story that I told you before about my official debut and that. And then I'd had a few gains, but the real breakthrough for me, uh, which will be you know, quite well, you, a bit of a story behind that, again, that will resonate with crew fans, was well, Steve Davis, um, ex-crew manager. Um, he was a pro at Barnsley, a senior pro. He got injured in the promotion season, 96. I remember it really well. I think it was on the bench. He got he got a really bad tackle at QPR, Loftus Road, midweek game. And that was around the October, November time. Steve was a centre-half. Really bad tackle, like I say. He were out for the season, and that was my chance. So, Swede, as I knew him, Steve Davis, uh, we called him Swede because of his blonde hair, uh, tanned, he always did when he came back pre-season. A <laughs> bit like Harry. you know, like Harry's blonde, isn't he? And <laughs> he'll, he'll obviously played for Crew as well, his son. But uh, yeah, Swede got injured and that that was my chance to get in. And my um, fortune, I, f- I stayed until end of the season and that was 96-97 and it was a season that that Barsley went up. So, fantastic time for me. And that's sometimes how it happens in fo- football, pure timing really. And it, it just fell, kind of fell into my lap.
0: Yeah, so I was going to talk to you about that 96-97 season. Um, I would have been, what would I have been, 12-13 as that season's going on. So, peak football interest. I'm watching every game I possibly can. Uh, I still remember that season as being the Bolton season. What was Division One? I think it was called then. That's uh, correct. Ninety-eight points and a hundred goals, and they drew two-two with Tranmere on the on the last day. Otherwise, they would have got hundred and hundred. But the story, as well as them going up with such a ridiculous point total, is Barnsley have never been in the top flight before, uh, and they haven't been since after that season. Um, so what was the feeling in the squad when, you know, when that's quite a good environment to get involved in as a young player, surely?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think Barnsley had always been an established championship club, as we know it now, Division 2 then, but a second-tier club, if you like. I think we'd we'd kind of had the most seasons in that division. We, we never really went up and down. Um, well, obviously, well, obviously, we never went up because that was our first time we'd ever done it, but they never got relegated. They were always a second-tier club, Barnsley. Not a big club in there, you know. Very similar to like a Grimsby or a Southend, somebody like that. So for Barnsley to do what they did, just because of the size of the club at the start of that promotion season, would have been one of made one of favourites to go down purely on you know on the size of the on the club really, just like like I say, you like the Grimsbys would have and, and teams like that. But what happened were in that summer is Danny obviously got the job. And he made a few key signings. And what you've got, you've got a core group of young players, like likes of myself, um, Andy Little, Nicky Eden, Dave Watson in net, blonde keeper. Chris Morgan were coming through just behind us. Um, so we've got a real core group of lads around our age who had come through under Eric Wynne stanley in the youth team. And Eric had been promoted to the assistant manager We with Danny when Viv had gone to Middlesbrough with, with Brian Robson. So you would got Danny there, you've got Eric as his assistant, you've got a core group of young lads who were a really good youth team at that time. We always used to win what we called Northern Intermediate League then, which were a really tough league, all your Yorkshire clubs, your Newcastle, Sunderlands, Middlesbroughs as well, on top of your Leeds and Chef Wednesdays and all them. So we've got a real good group of young lads coming through. So then once Eric had got involved with first team, We'd obviously run through a brick wall for, for Eric. But then you, what Danny did cleverly as well, he'd got some good senior pros already there, likes of Steve Davis, likes of uh, Neil Redfern. But he signed some other key players. Uh, Left-back Neil Thompson, come from Ipswich. John Endry he signed from Middlesbrough. Paul Wilkinson, he signed from Middlesbrough. They were a deadly double-act for Middlesbrough and they did exactly the same for us. And first game of the season, we played at Hawthorne, played at West Brom, and... We, that day we won and we looked at it and West Brom, purely again, because of the size of the club, will have been one of favourites to go up. And even after that game, I think it took everybody by surprise because I looked at it and went, well, was well that a bit of a, a strange result, a flash in the pan kind of result. But then a few games after that, we went to Main Road and won there at Man City. Again, they'd have been one of favourites. And people started looking at us. And, and to be fair, we absolutely de- deserved it that season. You mentioned about Bolton being top, but we went up automatic as well. It's not like we went through playoffs. And we were up there most of the season. It come right down to the end, really, between us and Wolves. And Mark McGee were managing Wolves that season. And they slipped up against Grimsby. I remember John Osters killed one in top corner on the Wednesday night. And the drew, drew or lost at home. Which meant that we played Bradford second to last game of season, and it were in our in our hands. If we beat Bradford, we were up, and and we managed to do it. So and but like I say, we were up there all season and absolutely deserved it, and and a phenomenal achievement. Not just like I say to go up, but to go up automatically behind Bolton, who were setting those records, like you just said. Um, it were a, a, an amazing time, and they and had had a few games like say here and there a couple of seasons prior to that. But for me to actually get in. And then stay until end of season. It will like, you know, it, it doesn't happen very often. So it was kind of all a bit new to me, and um, something that clearly I'll never ever forget.
1: Yeah. So you touched briefly on the going through the U team and stuff like that at Barnsley. Um, jumping ahead a bit to your crew days, I've, well, one thing that we're maybe too critical of as fans is thinking that we're our, own players are raised a little bit too softly uh, what how did you sort of see the difference between the way you were raised and how our academy players were raised in your time there
2: yeah it, well it's funny you should say that because once I got in at crew and I don't know if you want me to jump onto crew straight away or or whatever but I'll just mention that point now I, I did always say to my what, what surprised me at crew were how much everything were geared towards the youth team and the kids coming through which I totally get that model whenever I played against Crew previously, the our team taught, and this is not being disrespectful because I loved it at Crew and I loved the club, but we always used to think I had Barnsley managers that had go there and we used to think that we could they'd always say they're a good football inside, but they're a soft touch and you can bully them on day and you'll get a result. And we always had good results against them because we knew that our Crew would want to play. We'd got ex-players in our ranks, likes of Ashley Ward, who'd been through that, Craig Ignat, who would had a little bit of a taste of that. Players like that who had been through, and they used to say about Crew, and we and when I actually got to Crew, like I say, I couldn't believe how much everything it's as if like the first team obviously does matter, but it didn't matter as much as what it did at other clubs. When I'd been at Barnsley, the Othersfield and that, what mattered were what were happening in the first team. At crew, it was a little bit like, well, yeah, that's a bonus if the first team are doing well. This is just the impression that I got. But it were all about the development and bringing the young lads in. So I'd go into a changing room, uh, I remember it earlier, and you'd be training. And in the half-term holidays, you'd have these young kids outside of you in changing room And because it were Easter holidays and they were off school. And I'd, I'd look and i remember this specifically, and I've had this conversation with him because I still speak to him. Ashley Westwood used to sit right outside of me. Westie, babyface, just like he is now. I looked exactly the same then. I knew obviously his dad was sparky at, at the ground, Kev. And I used to and I come in and it wouldn't that would never happen at any other club. Your first team, you'd never have, you wouldn't have the youth team sat outside of you, never mind kids from the school holidays. And I, I looked at the Side and I went, all right, mate. And he went, Hey oh, you're all right. And he used to talk to him. And I said, well, What are you doing? Oh we're we're in these weeks, it's school holidays, so we're in. And I just for me to get my head around that, it was just like it was funny. And and it, it was just everything were geared, geared towards that. And I used to say to some obviously my friends were there, your likes of Steve Foster, Rich Walker. I said, when you Dean Ashton, I said, when you move on from this club, you'll realize how brilliant you've got it here as a young kid coming through at a club. But when you'll move on, you'll realize that it's a proper, everything's geared towards first team then. And you kind of your youth team is a little bit not forgotten about, because that's a bit unfair to say that, but it's not the main thing is three points Saturday for first team. And then if that happens, it's a happy club then for rest of the week. And that goes through rest of the club. And I know that times have changed and the academy system is different now and all like that. I get all that. and I haven't stayed in football, but that, that was the one thing for me. And I, I used to say, and then when I've met with like Foz, cause I'm still mates with him, obviously I know you've said that on previous podcasts, but they've said, Yod, you were right. can not believe it. How it coming through in that youth set up and a club like crew, which were great for young kids. It were a bit of an eye opener that when they got to another club and it were like, bang, this is it. It's your first team and it's it's intense and it's this is what it's all about a little bit. So I don't want that to sound unfair, but that's just just how it were really, and that that I, was my impression of it.
0: I don't think that sounds unfair at all. To be honest, I think that is the impression that we get as fans looking in. That sure, it's nice if we're promoted to League One or whatever, but have you seen the next crop of under 18s that are coming through? Uh, so yeah, I yeah. think you're. I think you're spot on.
3: I think I think that that's something we're currently saying, isn't it, as well, gents? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. take so, your totally. mind off what's happening. Yeah.
2: I, I, well, I'll give I'll give you a little story that illustrates that. I can't remember the game. It were and it won one. Obviously, when I were there and there were championship years when I were there, I'm pretty sure it might have been QPR away, and we'd won at QPR. I know they won at QPR when they got the promotion season, didn't they? The season before yeah. I joined and went and did that. But I'm sure we played QPR in one of the next two seasons. Dean Ashton were playing because I remember it. So it would, it were Dean only there the three, four season?
0: Uh, no, he, he left did. halfway through your second season. Yeah, okay.
2: So yeah. but did I did But you'll probably remember again. Maybe did we win at QPR
0: uh, away at Loftus Road in one of them two seasons? It would have been the second season because we yeah. went up with Wigan and Cardiff. So QPR came up the next year. So that'll be that right. year.
2: OK, so I'm sure we got a result at QPR. anyway. It might have been someone else. But anyway, regardless, I remember Dario. We'd won there. We got a great result. Again, being what I'd been used to, the t- one. if you'd gone and won at a QPR or a Reading or somewhere like that, the journey home then on bus were, were brilliant. Everybody were fantastic. Everybody were up for it. You know, you'd had a good result and that you're buzzing. See you Monday, lads. When you get over, there's no like walking down the bus when you're halfway up M1 coming home to see dreaded. Have you got to go in Sunday morning because you know managers got face on them. And none of that. You just knew that you'd be got Sunday off. Let's go in coming on Monday. Training's a fun week and all like that. Anyway. I remember Dario. had would got a face like thunder after the game, and he'd had a bit of a spat with one of players in dressing room afterwards. And he'd come on, he'd come on to team bus, not right happy or whatever. I'm thinking we've just won at QPR, or we're paying some good money to some decent players. At that point, they might have had a bit of cash injection, whatever. Anyway, I then remember Bates coming down bus because Bates had got that role where Dario, if he were like that, Bates would kind of be a little bit good cop, bad cop. You know, he could, like, smooth it with players a little bit. And he, he understood that, Bates, and, you know, he, and he was a great guy. And I said to him, I said, what, what's up with Gaffer, like? What's, what's up with, da- well, I mean, Colin, just Dario. What's up with Dario? And I think he turned around and said something like, well, tens have got beat 5-1 by Port Vale this morning.
1: And I just thought...
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at it and I thought... That in a nutshell, two stories like that is kind of where I were at with crew, where I'd look at it and I were like used to say, and I can remember that and I and then laughed, and maybe Brams were on at time, and as a senior pro would come from elsewhere, he laughed and that. And I said, you know, like when and again I weren't wishing their careers on, I says, but ultimately you do move on, you know, David Wright, people like that. I said, when you go to another club, which inevitably will happen because they're good players, unless you're going to be a one club man and state crew forever, I says, you'll realize that once you've won away on Q. <laughs> Your bus journey back is, you know, you're all up for it. There won't be any... It won't matter that youth teams got beat in morning or something like that. But I get it at crew, because Dario had put that much time and energy into that youth team and every other youth team kid that's coming through, you know, at whatever age group and that, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a bit. But that that kind of illustrates that point to me about, you know, it's kind of, you know, it baffled me. I'm thinking we've had a great result and lads are arguing with manager or oh, because he's got face on. Because youth team, has got beat. Well, not even youth team. Well, I say one at very young ages had got beat
0: by Port Vale. So I think we'll go back to Barnsley briefly, if that's right, Eddie. Because yeah, it, yeah. it'd be really bad if we sort of got you on and we don't talk about the year you spent in the Premiership with uh, with Barnsley. Um, that summer, then, like you say, you got promoted uh, automatically. Barnsley's is it's a it's a fair sized town, but it's not a big city. You know, you are sort of in the middle of Leeds and Sheffield. Did you see a notice in the town that you've got top division football there? There's more people getting involved. You see more shirts around town that summer. And then some of the big names that were coming in, obviously, I would imagine, got people excited.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Well, the, the thing were with uh, Barnsley, what I realised, actually, I'm a Doncaster lad. Doncaster is a bigger town than Barnsley. is a small town. But what I realised about Barnsley as soon as I joined there is that the football club, is massive in that town and it's you know mining community my, my dad worked down pit so I could relate to it my dad were a miner in, in Doncaster where I lived and then you go there Barnsley were renowned for that and it was very you know working class the fans who were brilliant with me but you just just fickle like a lot of fans you know you I could have a good game personally but the team would get beat and they'd be shouting abuse at you you could play rubbish next week personally, but you win 2-0 and then you, you your best thing, and I know that's fickle football fans for you, of course it is, but I just looked at that season and even before the promotion season, the the, the football club in Barnsley is a massive thing. You went to Doncaster, not many people in Doncaster are bothered about Doncaster Rovers you know there's other things going on in Doncaster race course and you know it's got you know quite quite big and spread out there's a lot of businesses a lot of industry main railway station things like that Barnsley it's just a small tight-knit community but within that the football club were massive so then you then throw getting promoted to Premier League into that mix it were already a big thing but yeah clearly it were a sellout every week Fans absolutely buzzing for it. It had always got good crowds, like I say, because it was always a renowned, established second-tier club, if you like. But then to do that for the first time, when it weren't expected, were, were an amazing achievement. So then Premiership season come. Um, personally, I, I think I had a good season. I only missed a couple of games. It was fantastic for my mum and dad because every other away game were going down to Tottenham. It were Arsenal, it were Liverpool, Everton. They didn't miss a game. And that's memories that you'll 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 cherish forever, you know. And like I said, I mentioned that we, it might not seem a big thing, but Doncaster is on main east coast railway line, so to, you can be in London in an hour and forty. So my mum and dad, they thought every every time it were an opportunity, they they went to Stamford Bridge, they went to White Hart Lane twice because we drew them in cup, they went to Ivory. you know. And I, like I said before making my debut, you just you know that might as it turned out it was my only one and only season in Premier League, but to go to them grounds. And play there were, you know, were memories that my mum and dad and, and myself you'll never forget. Don't get me wrong, it was tough. And when you're there, I think everybody took Barnsley to their hearts because it were little old Barnsley in Premier League. You know, Bolton had been there before. Palace went up through playoffs that season as well. After that one, that was when David Hopkin killed that one in top corner at Wembley, that were that season. Um, so you know, these were established clubs as well. So I think everybody took Barnsley to that. But once you're up there. You don't want it, to, it's not like a holiday. There's no fun in getting thumped six by Chelsea when it was live on Sky. Um, third, second, third game of season, I think it were. It was certainly early on in season, and you know, everybody's watching and things like that. Viali were playing, he scored four. I remember that front three were Viali, uh, Zola were playing in behind, I think Flo were up front. After an hour, they brought on another international. It were like, wow, do you know what I mean? But to be fair, and that killed our confidence a little bit. And we we struggled early on. We got a couple of good results, struggled early on. And then we had a really good FA Cup run. And that gave us a lot of confidence. And the second at one point, obviously, we looked like we were going down at Christmas. We'd be down by Christmas. We managed to stretch it out till second to last game of season. And I know everybody can say this, but if we'd had an an half-decent start. Things might have been, well. that Chelsea game killed us. I remember Danny changed formation quite early on. Um, we'd worked all week on that game and then we went in at, at quarter, you know, an hour and a half before game and Danny just changed it like that. And I'm not making excuses, but we're absolutely all over the place and you can't be doing that against likes of them internationals. But yeah, it was fantastic. It was great foot town. Did look a little bit, to be fair, like I thought they were going to do it last year. Um, I, know, I'm, I'm, I know you're big football fans but the way they did it with Ishmael who's now West Brom guy um, they got a lot of press last year for how he's doing it there, they, they kind of just were proper hard working team He got them working hard in your face and I honestly thought that Barnes were going to do it last year obviously got lost in playoffs to Swansea but um, and, and especially like I said before, my old mentor Eric stanley who was in that promotion set up with Danny uh, Eric passed away last year they had his shirt on but I just thought it were written in the stars I thought they're just going to go up again this year and uh, unfortunately they just missed out Swansea picked them in playoffs but yeah as of now we're still only team that's ever done that and I'm proud to be a part of that
1: uh, that history really so I'm just well I've just done a little bit of research while you're talking there and um, so the research tells me that that was a season that Steve Davis left Barnsley Obviously, as as Crew fans, we've got a very mixed view. Uh, He had a very mixed spell with us in the dugout, shall we say. What was he like to play with? Well, I
2: was going to say before, Steve, I've got a lot of time for Steve. I stayed in touch with him. So, obviously, when I signed for Crew, he was still living locally. So, I used to see him at training ground. I think he was doing a little bit of coaching there. Obviously, this was before he got involved with first team. But Steve, considering I took his place and he was unfortunate, like I say, got the bad injury at QPR. He was absolutely brilliant with me. He was a good influence. He used to, and he, and he did work hard, to be fair, to get back Steve. He was one of these where he, he'd get in gym every day, working hard, but he'd still pull me to one side as a young lad. And I'm like that type of lad anyway. I'm always, you know, got respect for older pros that have been there and done it. Steve was a very good player and he He used to pull me to one side, tell me what I'd done right, what I'd done wrong. I used to ask him for advice, you know, about when you're playing, because Barnsley at that time were playing three at back, when we went to a four, all them kind of things. And he got all time in world for me. And for that reason, I've I've always stayed in touch with Steve. Um, And obviously then when I ended up signing for Crew and I moved to Nantwich, he was only living five minutes away. So I used to meet up with him and see him then. But Steve was brilliant for me. I can't praise him enough.
0: Um, You mentioned a few minutes ago the Chelsea game being 6-0. One thing I noticed, because I had a little look at the Barnsley results that season, um, you had Arsenal away, and that was 5-0. Your next away game was Man United away, and that was 7-0. I think there was Southampton in the middle. But then your only way to Anfield, the game after that, uh, these are quite tricky away games in a row. Surely, and I don't know if this is the right answer, but surely that away day to Anfield was the best moment of the season for for you or for most Barnsley fans players?
2: Yeah. Um, obviously that, that's the ha- one of the highlight results of the season. Um to go away to Liverpool, and to be fair, the, the, a couple of them on the like I say, I explained the Chelsea result. Arsenal, though, just miles better than us. I ended up playing right back that day. And Danny, oh, he always used to put me in these man marking roles for a lot, which I know we'll we probably touch on a bit later on about at crew. But I was marking Mark Overmars that day, and I actually did all right against him, but you know, they just absolutely walked through us and we did that. Old Trafford, I were on the bench at that one, and I thought, come on, let just put me on for five minutes. I might never get a chance to play at Old Trafford. And I got on at 6-0. I got on and Danny put me on. So I thought, well, at least I can say i played at Old Trafford. Um, so, played there, we, we actually then drew, uh, drew Man United again in an FA Cup later on. In the season. And that's the cup run that I was saying about before that gave us the confidence. I don't know if you remember the one where Peter Schmeichel slices the ball and it kind of spins in front of goal and John Hendry runs mm-hmm. in front and taps it in front. We've got 7,000 Barnsley fans in a because you could have that on FA Cup days. Um, and that, again, that were all catalysts for us then start doing well in the league. We drew at Old Trafford in that game. Then we beat him at home. A lad called Scott Jones got a couple of goals for us. He's quite often on Sky again that game. We beat Tottenham in that FA Cup run. We beat Bolton. We ended up losing to Newcastle away when, again, quarterfinal FA Cup, I, I got sent off against Alan Shearer, which is a bit of a, a low point in that one. But, but yeah, the, the Cup run just inspired us really. And that was some brilliant results in that. But in terms of going to Anfield, nobody expected us, like you say, we'd have probably, everyone's looking at all the results, thinking we're getting a good hiding. And to be fair, Liverpool had 90% possession that day and we just defended for our lives. I had a man marking job again on Steve McManaman, who, you know, you know, you know what Steve McManaman played like, what he looked like. He could just run all day, never got tired. He's just, that's his physique. I'm chasing him around. Absolutely. You know, knackered by end of it and uh, did a good job on him. But yeah, we we, we let goal at a charmed life that day. But we dug in and, and we got a lucky goal. I remember Patrick Berger having the worst touch he'd ever seen in front of the cop. fell into Ashley Ward's path and just tapped it in. And we just had a smashing grab that day. But yeah, that that certainly um one and then and that kind of results sparsley fans will still speak to you about him today when I when I bump into him.
3: Yeah, just, just jump in there. It, it's actually fantastic. And you can tell from your your, your eyes and your face that you're, you're obviously rightly proud of that. Um, and, and you know, the names you've played against and all the ground, fantastic grounds you've played at. But then you end up at Crewe.
2: <laughs> but via Huddersfield.
3: What did you do wrong? Yeah. No. Yeah. I uh, yeah. no I t- well,
2: obviously then, so season after at Barnsley, we, uh, Danny left. He went to Sheffield Wednesday. They put in charge John Endry, who'd not really got any experience of managing. I think he was just a fan's favourite, so it was a quick fix that Chairman put him in. So we had that season, didn't do very well. Then the season after David ba- Dave Bassett coming in, again, I played maybe first 20 games at season. I actually got injured at Crew, believe it or not. I played at Gressley Road, I got injured, uh, I tore my groin. And I never played again. I had to try to get me back. But that season then, we got to playoff final against Ipswich Town, 2000 that were. Um, And we lost on that day, 4-2 to to Ipswich. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for me really then. I'd had this operation. Bassett said, you know, he will play me at right back instead of it middle. He brought a lot of his own signings in, which managers do. And then season after December two thousand, so that was summer two thousand when I to doing switching playoff final. Well, so we, we did have a chance of going up again actually, um, and then I ended up signing for Uddersfield under Lou Macari. Lou Macari signed me December two thousand, and I had two and a half years at Uddersfield then. Um, so and again, that were a difficult time because we went into administration, we weren't getting paid, and the last season I was at. Fuddersfield, which was the two thousand and two, three season, which was your promotion season, that's right, isn't it?
0: The the best yeah. season in football that's ever existed Amy, yeah. for me. Probably not oh. for you, but uh, yeah, for me, the best season in football, that one.
2: Okay, so we're I'm playing for that season, obviously playing against crew. And I remember so that was obviously League One, and because when I went to like I say we went through this administration period at the well, Championship club at the time Udersfield went down went got relegated and the first season then under McCarry, we lost out in playoff final to Brentford and then the 2002-03 season um I remember playing against Crew at Udersfield. I don't know if you went to that game uh, at, at the McAlpine, as it were called it does, then yeah yeah, yeah so I was, I was playing centre half that day I just remember Paulson Ashton up front, thinking, and I've joked about this with Dean, obviously, because so obviously, Uddersfield went down as crew went up. And I actually, I think, had a decent season that year for Uddersfield. It was just that the club were in a mess. They went into admin. Um, a lot of the players had gone. They weren't paying us. It was a difficult time. And you can understand why there were a lot of the kids that were playing at the time. I, I played 40 odd games that year and I had decent games against crew. And I think that's probably why, at the end of that season, Neil Baker ruled me. To say about signing for crew. So even though we'd gone down, and I think we drew that game. Is that right? One-one. We drew one-one. Yeah. It was a tough game. I remember at the time, um, like I say them two strikers, everyone were getting to know about people knew about Dean obviously from when he burst on the scene, but then Hulsey were coming to the fore, he were banging goals in quite a few people looking at him, sorry, clubs looking at him. And I just remember it being a tough day. But we drew and, and we crew and we looked at that and afterwards and said, you know, they've got a lot of quality in them. But funny thing about that day, well, I always remember Steve Foster playing. I think he played left back that day. And we had an American winger called John Thorrington who had played for us. And Foz, as soon as I signed, reminds me of that game all the time because he, he was unbelievably quick, was John and but Foz could handle that as well. But he just he just said to me about that. And he says, What was that American winger called? What were he called? And he used to go on about this thing from that day. And we, we had some good players, but I remember Crew obviously having good players as well. And it were a, that was probably one of our better results at season against a side like that who were up at top of the league and who were going to get promoted.
0: So there's a couple of points I just want to touch on before we get to crew. Um you mentioned John Henry was um caretaker at Barnsley before you left there. What's it like playing in a team with a player and then all of a sudden they are the manager, they're the person in charge? Because obviously it must be a strange environment to sort of change the dynamic.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was a key point with John, really. I think obviously we'd signed John, he were part of promotion season. Well, he were a big part of it in terms of, you know, when he come and when Paul Wilkinson, that double act that they had. So he were a hero from that. He'd then obviously been a bit part player because he was coming to the end of his career was John at Barnsley in the premiership season. He was getting, you know, he probably won't thank me for it, but he were getting on a bit. We signed Ashley Ward from Derby. You're obviously aware of Wardy. Were fantastic for us. They paid a million and a half quid for a lad called Georgie Ristoff from Macedonia. Um, he come, you know, the splash cashed a little bit for Barnsley at that time. We signed a few foreign lads who, again, without being unkind, didn't do very well for us. Um, but if you're a club like barzin and you're record signing, you just paid a million and a half quid for somebody, fans want to know why he's, why he's not playing if not. So he was always going to play. So John were on periphery a little bit. he got that goal at Old Trafford, what I mentioned there. He replayed, beat Michael again with this unbelievable finish. Typical John, little bandy legs outside at right foot like he does. He scored then. So he were a fan's favourite and that's why they put him in. I don't think he'd really started his coaching badges or anything like that, which, you know, you're talking 98 here. So it weren't really a big thing like it is nowadays. You need your A licence, you need all that, your managers, whatever, pro licence. So it was just a quick fix, I think, really, John. And, And for me, I think he could have been a good coach, but he was just thrown straight in at deep end. And I think because Danny had gone to Wednesdays, which obviously were a rival for Barnsley, South Yorkshire, a lot of fans didn't like that. John Dennis, the chairman... Get John as a get you know trying to get a bit more of the fans back on side because he were a fan' favorite, but I just don't think John were ready for it, and we had a tough season, but the thing with John were he's absolutely crackers, and he was the dressing room clown, and he'd still be like it now if you had a conversation with him um john he he's he, he, he would a bit like dressing room clown like i say he we were always like one who were doing pranks, things like that, even for somebody who were in the mid thirties at this point you know he wasn't like a young kid going around doing pranks, he was still like that. And then once he got given the job, I think because John knew a a lot of the lads were thinking he'd got that side to him, he went totally the other way, as in ruled with an iron fist. And I think a lot of the senior pros couldn't get along with that. And John went, you know, as an example, if somebody called him John, he'd like shout at you, he's he's gaffer. It's not John, it's gaffer. And, And there were a little bit of that. And especially with those senior pros who were a similar age to him. You know, I, I respected him because of the career he'd had and, and stuff like that. But I just think he was thrown in a bit quickly. So in answer to your question, that what I experienced of him were difficult because I think John realised that he had to get rid of this image of where he was such a likeable, lovable character. People knew that he were a bit of a joker. You can't have that as a manager. You've got to be then totally other end at scale. And I think John went a little bit too much that way with some of the lads. Um, and it was just difficult. And he never really coached after that. You know, I think if he had gone down the coaching route, you know, he could have done that really at a late stage. But he was just thrown straight into it. And it was just one of them things that,
0: how it panned out for John, really. So you've mentioned you were at Huddersfield for two and a half years. Obviously, relegation, then playoff defeat the next season, then relegation again. It was quite eventful, your time at Huddersfield. Um, <laughs> but then you move on, um, the summer of 2003. Was there anyone else interested in you other than Crew? Was it always Crew? As soon as you heard, what was the story there?
2: Yeah, others. Udders, Othersfield at the time had offered me a deal to sign again, but they'd just gone down to League Two, and at the time, they'd got about seven or eight young kids playing uh, who, who were signed on. If you like, a lot of them because the club were in such a mess. There were a takeover going to happen again. We'd had talks with PFA. A um, couple of lads who you will remember from that time, John Stead. He was one of them young lads coming through who he'd had a few games in that season. He might even have played against Crew that day or come on as a sub. He was a bit of a bit part player. The season that I left and signed for Crew 3-4, um, John were on fire. I think he got 20-odd goals for him. And then obviously John went and had a good career. So it was like to them, Danny Schofield, uh, Danny went on and had a good career. Um, so, yeah, it was like to these players who, who they were reliant on really um, for coming through. But me and, then, and I, I were talking to other clubs at the time, but crew come in and it were championship. And I've been quite lucky before that being a Doncaster lad, I could travel to Barnsley it with 20 minutes. Then I signed for Huddersfield. I was 30 minutes in opposite direction, even though that was West Yorkshire. So I was still living in Doncaster. didn't have to move. And then this come on, then Bates rung me. A um, couple of clubs that I'd come in before, I had. It had looked about, you know, I had to move or something like that. And it was, it was still quite early on, really. But, but Bates rung and said, look, obviously, seen your play last year, seen your play against us firsthand, knew about my career and what have you. And he said, I want you to come down and have a chat if you're interested. And and because I'd played against Crew and seen that good crop of lads that they've got and they've gone up to championship, and you know, likes of Ashton there, I didn't know Foz and Vorney and people like that at that point. I knew Brams a little bit just through through playing against him. Um, I was really impressed with Brams actually in that game and when we played at Crewe. I, I, sorry, I'd not really played against Brams before, but in that season, I looked at him. And I thought, wow, he, he's very comfortable on ball. He's a good player, and. You know, so I kind of remembered him when I then went down to talk to crew a little bit and he transpired it same age as me, Bram's and and what have you. Um. So yeah, so Bakes rung me and said I'd like to come down and and have a chat and I just looked at it and I said to my wife, you know, well, Sarah, my wife to be at at that time, we weren't married and I just said, look, should we? Should we just make that move? You know, I got my house in Doncaster. I kept this on, and I just thought, you know, I've gone through all that crap at Uddersfield with money, with not getting paid, with the administration that lasted six months. They've offered me a deal. Yeah, I could sign. Peter Jackson had just come in at that time, and I just thought, you know what? And I, and I spoke about to Barty Sarah. I says, why don't we just go down there? I went to Crewe, spoke to him, spoke to Dario. Um, like we said, met him at Reese's training ground facilities were great, liked all that. I went into Nantwich, thought, wow, what a lovely place that is, where I ended up living. I've, you know, I've still got me an apartment now that, that, I, that I had when I lived there and I still rent it out. So I still get back there. Um, And I just loved the place. And and my wife, I say, Sarah, come down with me. She went with my wife then, sorry. Um, But we just went down and I had a look at it and said, you know, they're offering me a two-year contract. And I thought, you know what? Fresh start again. And I'm just going to, go down there and and sign for him. So I agreed, and and that's how signing for Crew come about.
1: It was almost a straight shot with uh, F.P. Sodji at the time, wasn't it?
2: It was, yeah. And I can remember even pre-season, I played... My first pre-season game was Natwich when they played behind Leopard. And uh, they used to have them friendlies there, and we had a bit of a mixed team, and Sodji was still there at the time. so I'd already signed for Crew, but Sodji, because I I played with him that night, and then... Coming days after that he'd obviously agreed, and then he went to went in other direction, so it weren't like a straight swap kind of thing it were We were both there, but then he ended up going to Tordersfield just after
0: okay uh, and then obviously you you're at crew, you're training um one thing we've heard from other players who have joined crew on some of these podcasts before is they're surprised by the training in terms of it's not so much designed like you have said, to maybe win football games. It's designed to make players better individual players. Was that your experience as well, that it, you were being trained as though you were a young player coming through for the first time?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm not, <laughs> not going to come on here and start, like, kind of slagging the crew way or out like that. But the fact that I know other players, I can totally relate to that. You know, I've touched on a couple of stories earlier, but I think my thing with crew is, and I remember this, when I, when I went across, I think pre-season had already started. So I had that chat with Bakes. Then I had a chat with Dario in that room at Reeseath, just off where the little canteen bit is, where all the pictures of the players are on. And then I ended up going through and he was showing me the facilities and where the weight room is and the swimming pool, all that. And, you know, we got all this big dome and everything. So I ended up walking through there and I walked into the weight room and there were all these like young kids or they look like young kids to me, probably youth team, maybe a bit younger. And they're all doing this weight session and they were all throwing up these free weights as in like, you know, a bar that's on the floor. Like you'd see somebody doing a weightlifting type thing, split cleaning, lift and jerk, whatever it's called, all that kind. I looked and I thought, wow, that's impressive. These young kids doing that. And I thought only weights I'd ever really done would have been you'd done a weight session after training. You'd sit down and do a bench press. You know, you'd do like some pull down, some lap dips, whatever it is. They were only weights I'd ever done. And Dario says, yeah, yeah, we do these. We do them twice a week. We're on a Monday and a Thursday before training. And these kids were throwing these weights up and, that you know, they've got plenty of weight on end of them. And they were throwing them down, picking up. And it was like a bit of a... Sight to me, oh really. I'm thinking, well, he don't look like he can even lift that. And these kids had got all got the techniques, throwing them up, doing them down, all like this. Anyway, Darius says, Yeah, we do these. And I think that was part of my problem at Crew is I never played more than 30 games a season. Like I say, the season before, I had that good season at Uddersfield. I played 40 odd games, 46 games. I think my last year, after crew I signed for Lincoln, in my last year at Mansfield, I played 49 games. At Crew, I'm thinking, I'm always injured. I can't sprint without pulling an hamstring. I can't do it without tearing a groin. That's when I look back, and I'm a little bit disappointed because I don't think Crew fans maybe seem best to me at crew. We aren't making excuses, but that is the fact. I didn't play more. I played 20-odd games every year, and I break down with an injury. I never tore a muscle in my life until I went to Crew, And I kind of relate it to not really being fit. And I, like I say, they used to do the, and what I realized in that pre-season, it was all around these weights. And Dario and Baz, Beasley, who used to do all that, you know, you'll be familiar with him from what I was telling you. That their philosophy were a little bit that they thought that you didn't need to do the running because all these weights, these free weights, and that built up all your core, built up all this kind of strength and and what have you. And I appreciate it. I'm from a different area, but that's what you'll get with senior pros coming in where. I was just used to Barnsley, Huddersfield, just having a pre-season where you just got your miles in the under tank. I was used to it at Barnsley, running up and ill, going back down, running up again, which I know sounds really old school, but it suited me. And that's what it were. And I used to like the fact that you'd be stiff as hell after one day's pre-season and you'd come in again and you'd do it all again. And you'd think, oh, I can't do them 400 metres like we were doing yesterday. And I can't do that 12-minute run that we did around lakes and all like that. And Eric would be timing you. Danny Wilson would be there. If you didn't get in on 12 minutes, you were doing it again. You'd be run to the Top of Hill. You were sick. Then you were told to run back down. I know it sounds a bit like being in army or something like that. But at the end of pre-season, I felt fit. And I felt like I was ready to go. We never did any cr- running like that at crew. I can remember going and doing a bit of a job with Andy Franks and some of the lads. And we went to Portugal one pre-season. We did a run up and down beach and down some dunes and all like that. And that was as tough as it ever got in terms of that. And I can remember some other crew lads like saying to me, Oh, I've got this run today. And, and again, I relate to my own personal experience. I go, run. I goes God, I said, wait till you do a proper pre-season somewhere else. But the flip side of that is I struggled with the weights. So whereas, you know, doing these lunges and stuff like that, my groins would be like stiff for days. And then I think one of my first games, I remember that first season three four. I think we played Burnley away not so long into the season. I ended up running for a ball. I lifted my leg up to bring this ball down, and my calf just pinged. I remember playing Sunderland at home on a night match when I were at Crewe, and Liam Lawrence were I were playing right back, and he were, uh, he were playing left wing. Liam Lawrence, can you remember? Can you remember him? Yeah. Yeah. And and I've heard this before, where people say when you tear a muscle. When you see like an 100 meter sprinter going down and he pulls up and that, you're in mid sprinting, fair enough. But i have heard people say that they'd literally just walked off, just took a step, and it's as if somebody shot you in back at leg in stand. I had that experience against Sunderland for crew, and I looked around, and I honestly thought Liam Lawrence had kicked me. And I looked around, I was about to have a go at him saying, What you done that for? You, did, you know, five yards ahead of it. And all I'd literally done was push off, and that was it. And again, what I realized afterwards when people say it's as if somebody's in crowd snipering you and you think I tore my calf again, I tear my hamstring, I couldn't play 10 games and I'd do these freeways and I and I remember I went to see Dario and I said, Dario, I said, I understand what you're saying. If that was it, I'd been for a, I took it on myself because I didn't feel fit to go for a run on my own after training. And Dario pulled me and he went, What w- what are you doing? And I said, I'm going for a run, Dario. I said, I don't feel fit in games. I said, I'm not, I'm not feeling fit like that. Well, we're doing all these weights. We're doing all this. Compensates the run. I said, Dario. I says the way I am. In my third, I had two years at crew, and then the and then I went and spoke to a couple of other clubs. Dario offered me another deal. He says a deal for you there again. He said, I really like your place. He's been a bit unlucky with injuries. He says I really like you. So I ended up signing another year again. There were circumstances related to that, which I'll, I will come on to in a minute. But in that third and final year, Dario said to me, and this were his words. I had the same conversation with him about I want to feel like I can, you know, this is how I feel. I know my own body. I'm a senior pro. I'm on the other side of 30. I know what works for me. And he had gone on this run and he turned around and he went, well, to be fair, he says, we're not going to get you any fitter than what you already are. He says, by doing that, he says, these weight, weights aren't going to get you any fitter. If you feel like you're going do to that, do that, you go out and do it. Two years ago, he was having a go at me for going out and doing a run, saying that I didn't need to do it. And it took him three years for for me to then – I said, Daryl, I'm not getting out of these weights. I need to feel fit. I'm in games. I don't feel fit. I said, I need, you know, runs, miles in your legs, whatever it is. And he says, well, you know your own body better than anybody, so you go out and do whatever you need to do, AD. And now we're in my third season, and I just struggled with them weights. And, you know, anybody can bench press, but it were these free weights that we were doing and these split – you know, I can still picture it to this day – and, I, and I'd come out of there, and similarly, like those lads had said to me when we'd been on the run in Portugal, saying that were tough, and I was saying I, I found it quite easy, I'd be saying to them lads after the hour's weight session, "How do you, can you feel your groins? Can you feel your hamstrings and that? No, no, I feel fine. But they were used to it, because they'd had years of it, and bringing it on, like I said, that first time I seen those young kids throwing weights up, thinking, wow, how are they doing that? I've never seen anything like it before. And they were doing all like that, and like I say, I was stiff going into games a little bit for di- different things I was doing. Six games later, I'm pulling an hamstring. I'm pulling a calf. I'm pushing off. I'm thinking Liam Lawrence has kicked me in calf. Do you know what I mean? And I've pulled a muscle again. Well, like, I I could not get a run of games when I were at Crew, And it just frustrated the hell out of me that I wanted to do a bit more and you were being held back because, no, no, you've done an hour's wait. So you don't need to be doing that. And I was saying, I don't feel fit.
3: No, um, I think looking at it, I think it was 57 games over three years which as you said, about 20 a year, which is which is um, interesting, really. I was just, just going to ask, and you've, you've probably covered some of them um, sort of with the sort of Guardian anecdotes and stuff like that, that what, was, what were the points of difference when you sort of joined crew you'd, Obviously, you, you've come from, let's say, a traditional sort of background, if you like, or traditional clubs and traditional managers. I think most of the players that we've heard I've said that there was a lot of differences at Crew. That what happened on the training ground and things like that. What did you find? Yeah, well, that then points I've just said for a start. I mean, we're not talking about running at Barnsley.
2: Lou McCary signed me for Uddersfield, and he is renowned for running players to a point. Well, the senior pros used to. You know, they they couldn't get on with, with him at all. I didn't mind it because I like that. I like going out for a run. I like, you know, going and feeling like you've had a good shift and you come in, your, your shirt were wet, we sweat, and you're done like that. I never really got that at crew. And I used to have this conversation with Andy Franks all the time. It would it, that were the main difference. How everything's geared towards your team, which if you're a young kid coming through at crew, fantastic. The training were different, as in. You know, these weights, I'd never really done them before. Only weight session I ever done were going in after I'd finished my training session and going into weights room and doing a few upper body stuff or things like that. So that were different. Um, the way that they, like, say, they integrated the young kids with you all the time. And when I say young kids, I don't mean youth team. But, you know, I, and I, I just I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how Dario at the club knew. Every previous manager that I had, They them managers wouldn't have known Half of the youth team players, as in the kids who were pros, or coming you know going to be pros and that they'd maybe know a few nicknames. Danny Wilson would have known a few nicknames of a few kids who'd maybe come out of youth team and join in a few training sessions with first team. That were it. Dario knew every kid at the club and parents from probably I don't know what seven year old to first team, and you cannot underestimate the you know. To have somebody like that who was the manager as well, and the amount of hours, the amount of graft that he used to put into that club. I used to see him after training. He'd then go down the ground. He would, he would doing, you know, signing checks for, for the club. He would doing um, things in the office. Then he'd come back into training and thing. His, his car were always there at night doing the thirteens or doing the 15s or whatever it were. It, the club were his life, which I know you know that, but I looked at it and I just couldn't believe it. And like I say all my previous managers, they wouldn't have known. They'd have known two players at youth team, never mind all academy kids who were coming through, which is is unheard of, really, for for what you were like. And it it was just a different club. I love my time at Crewe in terms of I met some really good lads who I'm still mates with now. People will say this, you you play with that many lads over your career who you stay friends, you know, the amount that you stay friends with, you can count on two hands, you know, who, who you would actually call as mates. And, and you think of the amount of players that you've been in dressing rooms with who's come and gone and throughout a 17-year career, in my case. I'm, I've played with hundreds of players and the core group of lads who I'm mates with now are all from my crew days.
3: Yeah. I was just interested, actually, because that was something I was going to come on to, actually. Sorry, Steve, for jumping in there. Um, my last sort of reference to you is, is the, there's a photo on Twitter that Steve Foster had put on from, I think, uh, July... Time of yeah. of uh, the, uh, David Vaughan, Dino Ashton, Steve Foster, and yourself having a beer somewhere. I, I thought it was, Parks. did I <laughs> make some comment about that South decent five-a-side team, um, right. and um, it, it was just it was just something that I thought was was very telling, possibly about the sort of whole sort of crew ethos, if you like, because obviously all them lads have more or less sort of come through together, but but. You know, you you're all still mates, as it were. It's it's good
2: yeah, to see. absolutely, yeah. So like I say, I, I, some of the lads that I met at crew were brilliant. I think the thing with those lads is, and obviously they went on to different, you know, whether you know Rich Walker as well as in that group. We were at Centre Parks actually at that one in, in when you were about in the summer, but we we go away together quite a lot. you know, the the wives are very friendly. My wife loved it down in Nantwich when we moved down here, so she got friends we. You know, Foz's wife, Vaughan's wife, um, you know, Rich at, at the time. So, you know, they were all really pally. They used to make a real fuss of us. I was a bit more of a senior pro and used to get on, like, say, we all, we all them lads. And it, it, it is no coincidence. I was still mates now. Love me, time. I love living in Nantwich. It were a great club. I just, when I look back on crew, I just, I'm just disappointed, like I say, with those, the amount of games that I played. I don't think I had my best run of form there. And, you know, but in terms of the, the club and, and that period of my life and, and living in Nantwich, um, we absolutely we absolutely loved it. I think one of the key things what happened for me during my time at Crewe, and I don't know if people will remember this, but um, my eldest son was born when I was playing at Crewe. So he and he was born 12 weeks premature. So he was born at 28 weeks. And that were a real tough time for me and my wife at, at that time. And we were living down there. Obviously, my wife's close to her parents living back in Barnsley, mine are in Doncaster. So we didn't really have anybody else there. And he was in hospital for 10 weeks in Leighton. And incidentally, at the same time, Steve Jones's little boy, Milo, was in this so two of us are in first team and two of us are going after training into neonatal unit late in hospital every day. It was unbelievable, really. And what it what it does at that time, it, it gives you a bit of a, a perspective on life, and you realise you know you're looking at your little boy who's in an incubator and you know and don't don't worry you know you don't you don't know if, if they're going to pull through and what have you. I My mean, wife were really poorly, and it gives you a bit of a perspective. And at that time, I ended up playing at. Dario put me at left-back at crew, and I was playing left-back, and I think I had my best spell at that time in a crew shirt. I'm not left-footed, but Dario played me at left-back, and I think Tonks must have been injured, somebody else, and I ended up playing that role, and whether I were going into them games with different perspectives, thinking, you know, my little boy's in late, late in hospital, you know, I've got, um, you know, thinking – it just gives you that, you, you, there's not as much pressure on you because you see a bigger picture and you think, you know, what's going on? And whether I played with a bit more of a freedom in them games, like I say, I'm not a left-back. I played at that time at left-back and, and I really enjoyed that run of games, I've, you know, and I, they were my best ballot crew, I think, at, at that time. But but yeah, and, and I remember, like I say, that were a tough time because Matthew was in hospital, but I bought an house on the same street as Vaughn. And Vaughn's wife, Catherine, she were only very young and she used to come to hospital and help my wife, you know, and she'd come in and visit her because she were in hospital and things like that. And that was probably the starting of it all where those friendships were formed, you know, get on really well with, with all of them. And, and Rich Walker were really, really fussy. He couldn't do enough for me. Fosworth same, even though he lived in Warrington. Dino, um, you know, they all come to christening and all like that. And we've just stayed mates ever since. And um,
1: yeah, friends for life, really. You sort of take it upon yourself to be sort of a role model in that situation. I know in recent years when we've had signed more experienced players, that they tend to almost act like a father figure in the dressing room. Is that just something you do by nature when you come into a young side?
2: I think so, yeah. And I think it's something that... I to I remember having those conversations with dario when I first signed and he said about that and he said about you know you're one of all the older players you know you've been you know, you've played in premiership you've you know established in championship whatever and I, I kind of did take on that role a little bit I think I can remember you know Dino used to come and ask me stuff when Norwich came in for him and they were asking me about that move and about his career and you know and when he were looking I mean I'm in financial services now but I remember having a conversation with like said Dean about buying his first house and Lee Bell were asking me about, you know, finance on cars and stuff like this. And, you know, it was quite funny looking by. And at that time, I clearly had an interest for it, but I didn't know I was going to go down that route after my playing career finished. But, but yeah, I I did take on a bit of that role. And, you know, I think maybe they might have looked at that, you know why, maybe why they, they like me as a as a person or as a you know as an as an individual like to them other lads and maybe that's why we, we got on as well as we did. Um but yeah the first time that I'd really noticed because I was a young kid coming through at Barnsley when I went to Woodersfield our mid-20s all the lads were all similar age to me but then when I went to crew I was that senior, even though I are only 28 when I signed there I was that senior player for the reasons we just explained as in there were all these young kids that were coming through and that was the crew way so I kind of took it on myself, myself a little bit at that point to to take on that role and and like to think you know as much as I didn't have my best football um you know when I look back in my career and breaking down with the injuries all the time which were very frustrating for me because I really wanted to do well for crew I look back and think you know I probably were a bit of an influence in other ways and I think to be fair that when I said about that two year that I signed and then when Dario offered me the third year I, I probably thought I wouldn't get released that year because of my injury record and that but Dario's words to me were he, he mentioned that and he says you know you, you're really good with lads, lads all like right, you yeah. and I think that was part of the reason why he, he were happy for me to kind of give it another shot, have another year and, and see if we can get some more games out of me and that but I did think he, he liked that side of me as well.
0: AD, if I can move on to some of the games at Crewe, um, I've, got, I've got three lined up to talk to you about. Your debut, possibly one that is the best, I don't know whether you'd agree, and then possibly another one that would be not the best category. Um, I don't know if you remember your debut, but I certainly remember it was... I mean, it felt like about 40 degrees down in London to play Wimbledon, Sellers Park. First game back into the Championship, um, my recollection of that game is that Wimbledon would have been a really, really good team that season if they hadn't been in the process of uh, having to move up to Milton Keynes, all the players being sold. Is that how it felt to you on the day on the pitch? I just seem to remember there just being a load of young kids there playing who ran all over crew that day.
2: Yeah, I do remember that. It was disappointing, don't get me wrong. And a couple of the goals were poor from our point of view. But and I think that the thing that surprised me really, and you see this all the time, we'd had a really good pre season, haven't we? Well, that what it my my first year when, when we played Liverpool, Everton, yeah, testimonials. Yeah. I think. Sean
0: Smith, uh, testimonials.
2: Yeah, so we, that's all right. So in them, so and and I know that because I've been there that them teams come down, and you know they're not going to be at full tilt. Uh, yeah, Rooney played, didn't he, in the Everton game? I remember that because I remember Dar- apparently Darion must have been ringing David Moyes constantly to ask whether Rooney were going to be playing. So obviously that would have put a few more bums on seats at Gresty Road, kind of thing. I think. I heard that David Moyes turned around and said, Dario, don't worry, the kid will be playing. So that was his thing. <laughs> so so Rooney, Stephen Gerrard played uh, for for Liverpool. But I think, we, yeah, we, we went and hammered Port Vale, I think, in a pre season friendly. I think we got five against them. We beat somebody else, hammered them. And I think what you can do is you can get to that. And a number of times that that happens, and you go into the first game of the season, and bang, something happens like that. And um, I'm trying to think, was it Adjiman? Up front, yeah. Patrick one of the and that. Nigel yeah, I remember him running in behind. I remember it being red up. Obviously, being fair skin, freckled, ginger hair. Not best of conditions for me. Um. So, so yeah, I do. I do remember that game and coming off after I was thinking, how, "How was it? Was
0: it three one? Three one? Yeah. Yeah, it's I remember that. remember rightly. Yeah, mm-hmm. ju-
2: just getting hammered. Uh, getting run all over, and um, yeah, coming away because I'd always done all right at Crystal. Uh, I say Crystal Palace is. I knew it's Sellers Park when we played them previously. I'd always had a good record there, and coming away from there, scratching my head, thinking, "Don't really know what happened." But on in hindsight, a couple of goals were poor, and um, yeah, it was a bit of a wake-up call from us from from such a good pre-season. So, you know, not a bad thing, I suppose. Really, if you think you, in terms of getting carried away and thinking that you're going to do do all right at that level, because it, again, it's a massive
0: step up. The next game, I'm going to skip to the second season. You're at Crew. Uh, it's in that spell where you're saying you're playing left-back, uh, you're a Yorkshireman, you mentioned that before, from Doncaster, played for Huddersfield played for Barnsley Ellen Road, we've talked about this I feel a few times now on the pod of players that were there, um, being a Yorkshireman are you for Leeds or against Leeds? Against Leeds so
2: you <laughs> <laughs> have to think about that really, did I? Um, I say, Barnsley's I was never a Barnsley fan growing up, but is my team, my wife's from Barnsley. Got a soft spot for Barnsley, obviously had a lot of great times there. So I look back on that, obviously being a Doncaster lad as well. I look out for Rovers results and things like that. But the thing you'll get around in Doncaster, and that you'll get a lot of Leeds fans. And I don't know if you're aware, but I, the pre- Premier season for Barnsley, we lost 2 1 at Ellen Road and I scored an own goal in front of Cop. So. So you can imagine how that went there. And I still get reminded about it to this day all the time as people say, oh, it's on on goals and gas when it's been on Sky and it's doing on that loop and stuff like that. And it's, a, it's, you know, it, it, people remember that sheerest, the thing that people remember, apart from all them good things, the laws bring up the sheerest sending off in that FA Cup quarter final I said about, and also the on goal at Leeds. So I'd already got that under, kind of playing at Ellen Road and I got that in my memory. And then obviously we went then with that Leeds game uh, with crew and Dario had pulled me a couple of days before. He says, oh, i got a bit of a, uh, you know, I can't remember if it, it was the first game I played at left back or whether I was in this runner playing at left back or whatever. But I remember him pulling me and saying, you'll be playing left back, doing the shape on the training ground, whatever. And as it transpired, um, Aaron Lennon were coming through at Leeds at the time. So I'm playing left back and I've got this little will-o'-the-wisp Darting winger running at me, or look like you know. I'm thinking, oh Christ, this is just what I need today. And it were a, an owling gale, like I'm coming out second half, um, coming down tunnel the rain were blowing sideways and and what have you. And yeah, yeah. but I remember Dino getting this Teddy Sheringham uh, corner routine, if you like that one that Sheringham always used to score. I remember him getting that one in front of Cop, and then Matt Rivers got a breakaway goal, yeah. I think, for the second. Um. And to be fair, I thought I'd done all right. I got tickets, obviously, like, say, being from Yorkshire, my mum and dad went. It was one of the games that they could get to. easy, and I've got a lot of friends there. And I thought I'd done all right in that game. I thought I handled him quite well, considering how rapid he walked. He would just, you know, I, I went not slow, but, and especially playing left back because of your body position and stuff like that. And I thought, just what I need here. But I handled him quite well. <laughs> and I remember about on the couple of days after when we have gone back in after that and this was Dario for you, in his old um kind of wanting to give you a compliment but it's kind of a backhanded one kind of in a sense he pulled me a couple of days and he said Do you know what he says I thought you did really well against Aaron Lennon there because he's not easy to play against and he's going to be a top player and he says and I've been reading the Sun newspaper and they've gave you They've gave Aaron Lennon, man at match, and in their description of him, they said, gave veteran defender A.D. Moses a torrid time. Man of the match, Aaron Lennon. <laughs> so, and he's going, and they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, so Dario on one hand, he's witnessed the game, he's there, he says, that, I've done really well, but he also had to tell me that he'd read somewhere in a newspaper that this bloke who knows nothing about football had given Aaron Lennon the man of the match because he'd give A.D. Moses the run around. He says, but that weren't two. He didn't even have to tell me that. He could have just said, <laughs> I thought you did brilliant because I don't read newspaper. I'm, I will pass that by that stage. Where you go, oh, I've got a seven or I've got a nine or I've got a four. Do you know what I mean? You, you learn that as you get older, that it's somebody who's rating you on them things that might not even have been there at the game. I don't know, whatever. And I'm going back, obviously, all them years here. But um, but yeah, it, it, I remember him pulling me about that and, and telling me. So I kind of walked out of office going, I think it were kind of a compliment that Dario had given me, but I'm not, <laughs> not quite sure. I th-
0: I thought you were telling us um, that he was going to tell you to go to his office because you were the one play, crew player to get booked that day. And that was a, I don't know, a week's fine. And you were never allowed to get booked, were you, under Dario?
2: No, I think, is that right? Yeah, well, I only played to get booked that day.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, the only crew we... player, Paul Butler got sent off for Leeds. But yeah,
1: the only crew player to get booked. <laughs> well, I mean, playing against Darren Lennon, I'm sure. I'm sure we can let that one slide. Yeah, yeah
2: you know, I, I might have just slightly missed time to tackle him, but I might have... It's the old took one for the team kind of thing, really. thing, if you were away a little bit, but yeah, probably Dario wouldn't have been right happy with that. But and that's the thing, you'd have come away from that game absolutely buzzing. Um, and I know from listening to your other podcasts and that, that were then this, after that game, then we kind of went on that slide, didn't we? After that, which yeah, I can't really, took us really years to recover, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I can't really remember on that time, the, at the end of the season being that drastic and the, being that bad, uh, that we only just stayed up like we did. Um, because I, you know, and I, I know that might sound a bit stupid, but I just, you know, it didn't seem that we were playing that badly at the time, or that we were getting hammered every week, or whatever it were. It, it just, just one of them things where you know, crew fans look back and go, after that lead, lead game, we kind of went on a right slide. I can't remember that run being like that. Um,
0: well, you know, the, it, the next game I had was the Coventry game on the last day because you didn't play; you were on the bench, but then you came on with two minutes to go. With crew winning two one, needing to win to stay up, you're in a no win situation now, aren't you? And you're brought on in a situation like that. You're brought on as a defender to not concede a goal. So if that happens, you don't get any credit because you've only played two minutes. But if that does happen and crew concede, then you've done something wrong. Is that how you feel when you go into these sorts of games like that?
2: Uh, no, not really. I think you're just that focused on the game. Um... I'm not a, I wasn't a young kid at that point. Like I say, I was on the side of 30. So I am a bit long in the tooth. I understood what it was about.
0: And I'm not quite
2: sure, but did I not go on in a bit of more of a central midfield defensive role?
0: So you got brought on for Justin Cochran. And yeah. then Andy White, who started as a striker and then got turned into a centre back, he came on for Steve Jones. So I think we finished with six defenders on the pitch at the yeah, end of the game.
2: I'm not told, I think on memory, I would be surprised if I went in it kind of just for them couple of minutes and sat in front of back four um, and just did that at that time. And Dario must have said, go in and do that and what have you. But uh, yeah, and, and then uh, Michael Eagden score. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Eagden score. I just remember that. And just, and again, what a great day to be a part of. Yeah, I'd have, clearly I'd have rather been playing and stuff like that. i got on in the end, but... Just for crew to do it and stay up against a decent side in Coventry, I think they had a few names playing that day, I seem to recall, and um, and yeah, it was just a, just a great achievement for us to for us to stay up like we did, and um, yeah, I'm sure I went on in, in centre sentiment. So Dario, I don't know, Dario might have seen something in me in training week before where he thought, "I'll stick AD in that position or whatever," or just like you say, get as many defenders on pitch as he could.
0: Um, the next game I want to talk about, the last one that I've got sort of on my list, um, is not such a happy memory as Leeds away uh, the season after so obviously your last season at crew crew's last season for now in the championship, but the, the cup game, the league cup game at Lincoln that season. Uh, I don't know if you remember it, but I went over to Lincolnshire um, and watched us lose five um, the, one. The reason I'm bringing it up is because I remember crew signed Juan Agate that summer and he's this scoring sensation from Wrexham. And you know, it was a bit of a coup for crew to sign a player like that because he'd been in the news and he was just rubbish. I remember thinking I could do what he's doing and I'm not a very good footballer. <laughs> um, did you see anything in training that was different to what we saw on the pitch?
2: Um, do you know what? Not, not in terms of one, not really. I don't really remember him playing that much. And do you know, like I say. Your your memories of I know you're proper crew fans it, it astounds me of how much you actually remember these bits and that like I say I can't really remember much of one or playing with him in them games. Do you know what? I'd wiped that Lincoln game from my memory, but now it's All back right. in there. So thanks for that. <laughs> but and again, tip funnily enough, our football was signing for Lincoln City after that season. Um, because of what had happened with Matthew, um, I wanted me eldest boy, you know what I was telling you about before, I wanted to get back to Doncaster. I wanted to have a club that I could commute to. So Lincoln's only an hour down A1 from where I am here. So I ended up doing a guy called John Dean Dixie, um, ex-player. I had him as a coach at both Barnsley and othersfield. So that was a link there. He was the director of football at Lincoln. So he rung me up and said, do you want to come? It were a couple of drops down. But by that point, you know, coming towards the latter end of my career, and and I'd seen a bigger picture, if you like, in terms of what had happened to to me, to, to Matthew, Um, and I just wanted to get, my wife wanted to be closer to to a family, so we we ended up moving back to Doncaster but yeah, I ended up signing for Lincoln in a strange kind of twist of fate, if you like, and I remember that game now, remember it, getting absolutely battered and coming off that that game and thinking it were you know, we were just totally off it and yeah, I I just remember it being a poor, poor game, can't remember how goals come about, I think there were you know sloppy goals poor goals and what have you but uh, but no I, I can I can't remember much about one if I'm honest I don't think I played that many games with him I can't I don't really... think he
0: played many games to be honest I think that was his chance and he uh he was very rarely seen again
2: I remember, well, like, well, so Luke Rogers coming through at that time, and I
0: remember Luke coming in and that. And you know, Luke
2: could be more in my memory than what one were, but Luke, you know, he had a bit more of an impression on the team, and he was a bit more of an hustle and bustle and running round and putting himself about a bit. And Luke, wait, in with one or two important goals, didn't he? I remember him, him scoring at a couple of a couple of away uh, decent away grounds that we played at, uh, maybe Reading or someone like that, or I don't know. But I, I remember Luke Rogers. I don't remember much about one. It, being totally honest, looking at it, at that time.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, Luke Rogers was a, a great player, but he went and ruined it by signing for Vale. So, uh, <laughs> you know. um Whilst we're talking about goals, ad um yours were few and far between. I think it's fair to say. I, I've got it that you didn't actually score one for Crew. Is that the case? Yeah, that's
2: correct. Don't really remember scoring many in training either for Crew. So. Uh... Now, I think what it were, because I, as well, I was in my career, I was quite quick, um, managers see me at that. So a lot of time, I just, you know, if there were ever like up for a corner, um, I'd stay at the back, kind of a little bit of a safety net, really, break away, I could cover stuff. And I'd always done that in my career, really. And obviously, at crew, you'd got likes of Foz who were... Fantastic at going and scoring goals at the other end. His his goal record is phenomenal for a defender. What he what Foz achieved, uh, Rich Walker obviously big lad, you know. So he's probably more likely to go and get his head on it than what I were. Uh, things like that. So whenever I was playing with with lights of them, you know, it was just an easy option for me to stay back. So I never really ventured uh, up into other half or out like that. Never really went up for corners, and, th- and that were quite typical of me in my career. They really. were like that at Barnsley because you know I always like. Sweeping up, round back, really, and never went up corner corners much.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I think I've got it as five career goals for you for, throughout your, your clubs. Um, six, six. Sorry. <laughs> um. So, do you know what when I when I played for Barnsley, I
2: scored in about me first ten games. I scored for Barnsley away at Wolves at Molyneux. Um. So I probably thought, oh, this is easy. i have not even played ten games, and I scored at Molyneux And I remember scoring and. Yeah, you know, great setup at Molyneux with PA system. And I thought, oh, this is all right, I get used to this. And then I'm, and promotion season with Barza, I scored a couple, uh, at Norwich and Man City. So I was scoring against these decent clubs. And then after that, it kind of all went downhill a little bit with my goals. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Uddersfield, I scored three, but one of them were, were FA Cup. So on oh, Lincoln, I scored for Lincoln on my debut. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so. I've got, yeah, three for Barnsley, one for Huddersfield, one for Lincoln, and then one for Huddersfield in the Cup, six total. Yeah, glad, yeah. absolutely. It's um, important
2: you don't forget about that other one, though. You can't put me down as five. <laughs> you've got to remember it is six. That's Apologies. It's
0: fine. Um, so, eighty, the third season at Crewe, I, I think you make your last appearance for the club in January. Uh, you've already mentioned you go on to Lincoln. It, it can't really have been a surprise for you when you're told that that's you're not going to get offered a contract. You've already said you want to move back home back closer to home as well. Um, was that a conversation you had with Dario? Was it a surprise when it happened?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, it's a conversation I'd had with him. Obviously, like I said, the season, the summer before, he'd gave me that other year. I've been in and out again with with injuries and and stuff like that. So no surprise to me. And I, I totally un, understood that where. You know, he said, look, we're going to let you go. They'll bring in there were new kids coming through at that time. Uh, Chris McCready, would, you know, he'd been involved quite a bit while I was there. Um, players like that. And, and I totally got that, um, that he were going to, you know, look to to bring other lads on. And I couldn't complain with that. We just shook hands, said no problem. And um, I ended up coming back home, as it were. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of a strange one for me, crew. Because I look back on my time at, at the club and the time that I spent there with fondness. Um, like I say, the lads, I, the club were great. The fans were great. Living in Nantwich, I loved it. Um, even though we went through all that with Matthew, which were a difficult time. Um, you know, at that period, I look back at crew, and like I say, I, I really did, really did like it there. The the people at the the staff that were there and all like that. I can't really say a bad word for them. I'm just disappointed looking back on my crew days that I didn't have a longer running team, and uh, I didn't you know, play it like I'd done at, um, you know, at some other clubs where I, you know, I could have probably, you know, had a better run and, and had a better, you know, some better form, if you like.
1: Obviously, so you played with some good players in your time with us. Uh, was there anyone that you thought was going to do be better than they had and underachieved slightly, should we say? Um,
2: It's a difficult one to kind of say. Well, I want, no, I think, when I went to crew, I, I you know, I, I knew about how there were technically and lovely footballers and that. And that didn't surprise when I got there. Some of the some of the technical ability, a lot of the lads, they were all very comfortable on the ball, uh, and what have you. And you could see that just by, you know, like say that's how the training were geared and how they were brought up like that. But um, I do remember obvious one would be, you know, in terms of lads who I played with. Um I mentioned it before, Dean Ashton at, at crew. Obviously, everybody had said about Dean coming through and knew about him. i played in that season before when um Hulsey were coming through and it seemed like people were talking about Ulse, but that season I had with Dean is when he went back up to that level. And some of them goals he scored, he used to do it every day in training. And I look back now and people say to me who's the best player you've ever played with in your career. And I, I do I say Dean in terms of you know ability, um you know, what he achieved. That Some of them goals that he scored, when you see them overhead kicks and that, he'd, do, he'd be doing that every day in, in dome, as we used to call it, on that 4G Astros pitch in there and what have you. Uh, I knew it was only a matter of time before he'd get his move and didn't surprise me how, how well he'd gone and, and done on. Just, just you know, felt so sorry for him, how his career ended, really. Vaughan, he'd be another one where, uh, you know, I used to see him, such a quiet lad, Um, And I said to him, the only thing that will stop Vaughan's career going to that top level, which he ultimately went on and was just his, you know, his talking and that. And obviously he went to Spain and then I stayed in touch with Dave. And I remember coming back to watch him when he was at Blackpool. And the first game I seen him play when he was at Blackpool, I seen him on pitch, kind of giving one of the lads a rollicking. And I thought he'd, he'd never done that at crew. And I looked at him and I thought, good lad, Vaughn. He's kind of got to that bit where he needed to be now in terms of his career because he was so quiet. And then when I seen him in that Blackpool game, I'm going to go at somebody digging him out. It was no surprise to me that Vaughn then with Blackpool went to Premier League and Sunderland and stuff like that. And the only thing that were lacking from his game. Again, not that they come and ask me for my advice, but I just say to Vaughn, I says, you know, you'll be a top player if you just add back to your game. Dean obviously he went on and did whatever he did. And uh, so yeah, so they were kind of two where I look, and people asked me about players at Crew that I kind of looked at, but they were they were all good players, you know. Like I said, I mentioned Brams before, Kenny Lump were were good on ball. David Wright really impressed me, actually. Um didn't realise how good righty were until I got to crew, even though I'd played against him before, heard about him. Um but one on one defending. Well he were absolutely fantastic. You know, I remember playing Palace, I think it were, and Wayne Routledge playing against playing against Righty, didn't give him a kick, and everyone were talking about Routledge you're gonna, you know, and he were quick and, and what have you. Um, but he, he really impressed me, Dave Wright, as 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 to that. And as I mentioned Foz already for how he'd go and get his head on things and do like that. So there were some real good players at that time coming through, and um, you know, that were all credit to the to the crew way in the academy, if you like.
3: Yeah, it's just just interesting actually. I was just waving my bit of paper about there, uh, thinking, "Christ, can you see, see what I've written down here?" Because I was going to say about all of those players, uh, pretty much the list that you all mentioned. You know that it's proper peak time as a crew sort of fan, really, and you know to have that much talent in the side because we we talked about the, the four or five that have gone through the system recently. You know, but we have to remember going back that 20 years or, or almost as it is, um, that um, you know, that, that they were doing that in the championship as well, which was the difference. Um, but I was gonna sort of just ask a question slightly different, really. Who were the who were the big characters in terms of influence on the dressing room, both in a good way and um let's say as an amusement way? Um I know that people have said this before, but it's true, but Brams were
2: probably voice in there. Um, you know, I know a lot of the young lads kind of didn't architect Brams. Me being the same age, senior pro, you know, we'd probably got similar sense of humour. We'd, we'd come up from a different generation to them in terms of, you know, uh, players and eras, if you like. Uh, but, you know, I know he were a, a big a big character in there, um, really. Um so, yeah, i will probably say Bram's thinking of some of the other senior pros that, that come in after that. Um, in terms of characters, uh, funny lads, I'd like to say Rich Walker. was. <laughs> I think I, I like to think I've got a similar sense of humour. I think even after I'd left, I think, you know, we... Sorry, the season that I did in my last season, there were a bit of a car school. I mentioned Luke Rogers before, Rich Walker in that. Um yeah, you know, just uh, some of the stuff that they used to get up to. Richard come in and tell different stories every day of of what they were up to, and and Luke, Luke were a were a prankster. To be fair, um, he was just one of those like you know lovable rogues, if you like. Luke he'd he'd come in, you know, he would big frame on him. He'd bench press whatever. He was a strong lad. He was like a little battering ram, but a, but a good guy. And I got on re, re, really well with Luke, and um, you know he's he one of them, but. Absolutely, dressing room jokery he where he, all, all your old kind of stories about doing stuff to lads' gear and pranks and phone calls and all like that. Luke could be absolutely at, at first on it. Um, you know, he he's he just funny, he, he were a funny lad to be fair.
3: And then he spoils it all by getting the veil, so. yeah. I know, he
2: um, I know it don't, don't, don't matter to me that as much, like, but as, <laughs> yeah. as crew fans like you, I can imagine that's a little bit a uh, bit awkward for you, but. But yeah, um, I mentioned Justin as well. You know, I have to give Justin Cochran a shout there for what he's gone on and done post-career. Uh, you know, now he's, he's making a name for himself in the coaching game. But I signed for, for crew at the same time as Justin. We were both in crew arms together for the first couple of weeks, staying in there opposite railway station, um, going down as a you know, a little table for two me and Justin going down, getting uh, for his evening meal, like we were, and then breakfast and what have you. But I kind of took Justin a little bit under my wing. I think he, uh, he thought a lot about us again, good player would run through a brick wall for you, but underrated a bit technically, I thought. And um, I-, I listened to Justin's post- podcast on here and uh, yeah, he's another one that i got, got a lot of time for him and, and really pleased with how he's, um, how his career's going and now. And, you know, he's in at Man United now and, he and stuff like that. So, knowing how hard he works, Justin, all credit to him if, if he fully deserves
0: it. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned that I, one of my absolute faves, Justin Cochran, and he was great on here, and then he went and ruined it after he came on here by signing Man United. So, you know, another <laughs> one that's gone and ruined their legacy for me. Oh, um, and that's better than a veil for you,
2: though, isn't it?
0: Barely. I grew, <laughs> up, I grew up in Cheshire, yes. when Man United were winning everything, and all my mates right. were United fans, so barely. Um Ada, I'm going to give you a couple more questions, and then I'm going to let you go. We'll move on to uh, after crew. Um, you've mentioned Lincoln, and then Mansfield, and then Gainsborough. Uh, according to Wikipedia, you had a couple of spells at caretaker manager at Mansfield and Gainsborough. Um, is that right? And is that something that you didn't pursue afterwards because it just didn't feel like something you wanted to do?
2: Yeah, So you, both of them are correct, and I kind of. Obviously, getting to, then after going to Lincoln, you then start thinking about what you're going to do after football. So there were a nucleus of us, a core group, that all decided to do as coaching badges together at that time. Um, like old Mark Stallard, was now my business partner, uh, Jamie Forrester, I don't know if you remember Jamie, um, Alan Marriott, who were keeper at the time. So we all decided to go and, and enrol on that, because at that point, you now start thinking about what you're going to do post-football. And I did my coaching badges, and it weren't for me. Um, you know, just one of them things. I, I just thought, you know what? I can see myself see myself doing something else, really. And the other lads who were doing it and say, oh, this is good. It's that. But they'd obviously made their mind that they wanted to go down that coaching route. I didn't. And I've not stayed in the game for that reason. So I ended up doing me um, coaching badges. But then, like I said, I didn't enjoy it. Then I had two years at Lincoln. I then signed for Mansfield, which was my last year full-time and in that year at Mansfield, um, I, sorry, sorry, going back into Lincoln, the coaching badges went for me, but I started doing a degree, which funnily enough, were the sports journalism broadcasting one, which they do from Staffordshire University, so I, my thought at that time were, I'll get the degree, I've started doing my coaching badges, and I thought I might go down teaching route, do a year's PGCE, maybe become a PE teacher, something like that, and I thought, I've got my football career behind me, I've got my degree, I've got a Part of my coaching badge, and I'll just walk into getting a job in a school. Not walking, but you know, what I mean, I, I kind of thought I'd get a, a strong CV there. And then so Lincoln were very good with me because, like I say, I knew Dixie and John Schofield and that, and they used to let me travel from Lincoln to Stoke, which is obviously I'm familiar with that part of the country having gone down and lived in Crew for the previous three years, and I used to travel there twice a week and do my degree, which what a what tough if I'm honest, because when you've lost on a Saturday and you're then asking manager if you can leave early on a Monday to go to college, uh, university, but, you know, they were good with me and I, and I enjoyed doing that. So I did that for two years, got my degree. I carry, carried that on and then ended up going to Mansfield. And in that year, um, Billy McEwen, the manager, he got sacked just before Christmas and the cats care- uh, sorry, the chairman at the time asked me to do a caretaker role with Mark, who's now my business partner, Mark Stallard, because we both played at Lincoln together, gone to Mansfield together. And we ended up doing it for about three or four games. First game was Wrexham away. Again, I, I Dean Saunders last week on that golf day I mentioned. And, you know, we we're reminiscing about that as well, because, you know, he invited us up into his office afterwards and stuff. We played Burton when Cluffy were the manager. Um, Nigel Cuff at that time they'd gone up that season so Kettering away were, were really good and we got a 3-1 win down there and I really enjoyed it but even saying that I didn't get a taste for it thinking I can see myself doing this after football it just wasn't for me but I did have, enjoy that little taste of it and doing that and uh, what really surprised me at that time were, like I said before the number of players that you've come across in your career and coupled with that the number of coaches and managers that you've come across once I got that caretaker role for Mansfield Town which I'm really proud of looking back and I really enjoyed my town at Mansfield they were great very similar to Barnes the mining community uh, you know down to earth fans and what have you and I had a real good season this was kind of frustrating me I played 49 games and I'm thinking I couldn't play half that many games in one season at Crewe and yet I did at Mansfield and you know I look back on that and I'm proud that I did that for that short period of time but I remember as soon as I got announced as caretaker manager the number of ex-coaches and managers, and that all rung me up, who'd never spoke to me for the last decade, were like were unbelievable. My phone were red up, and I'm trying to put cones out, trying to set up a, a training session, and that first time in, me, in my life I've ever had to do that, and my phone were ringing, and it well, without saying who it were, there were people ringing up saying, "Can you give my number to chairman? Where do I put my CV in? Where do I do this?" And I'm like thinking, "Oh." Hiya, so-and-so. Yeah, I'm doing all right, thanks. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, thanks for asking. And, and I must have had, and you realise how competitive a world that is in terms of getting in at clubs and that, and my phone were non-stop. That side of it did me head in. The other side of it, going and taking a team and putting a team out and naming a team, and I absolutely loved it. It might sound a bit kind of opposite of that, but I, I didn't have, it still didn't make me want to go down that route because then once I started doing my financial studies, that was when it kind of clicked for me, and thought, you know what, I can really see myself doing this after football, and that's what I'm into doing now. So,
0: so that brings me on to the, the final question I've got. Um, you mentioned you're, you've got business; you're doing financial consultation. Does that keep you involved in the game? Then is it footballers that are coming through that you're advising?
3: Originally,
2: yes. So I got into it when I were at Mansfield. So I went working out of a company that were predominantly linked to the PFA. So the business model of that was getting ex-footballers, qualified, um, all their exams passed, being able to advise, FCA regulated, and then we would, the, the business model of that company that I worked for was obviously, if you were fresh out of the game, you would have linked to, for instance, I could ring up Dario at Crew and say, can I come in and speak to Crew Lads about financial advice? And it was quite, you know, closely linked to that. So that's the reason I got into it. And for that reason, I've got, a few footballers at me books but that company were predominantly just going to football clubs can you open up a door there can you adu? you do you know at Barnsley can you get us in the door there and we'll kind of pick them up like that after about three or four years I realized that weren't the business model that I wanted to do and like I said um, Mark Stallard who's, who's now my business partner he was a part of that and he kind of, once he's seen what I were doing with the financial studies, he kind of thought I could do that as well a little bit. And I used to get style and, and you know, and kind of put him on his way. He blames me for getting into this industry actually now. So, um, but when I made the decision to leave that company, I said to style, look, I'm going. He said, I'd like to come. And we ended up about seven years ago forming our own company and we set up. Now it is called Onside. And at the time, yeah, we'd still got the football links, but we are not predominantly going into football clubs now. I still think I can offer value to footballers as in I have been there. I have done it. I know it's a short career. You're only ever one tackle away from it all ending. Like I said to you, my journey in terms of getting to the end of my career and saying, you know, I'm going to do my coaching badges now. I'm then going to do a degree and all that as well as financial advice. I'm trying to give lads that kind of advice as well and saying, look, start thinking now. And I know You know, Everybody thinks if you're looking after footballers, everybody's earning thousands and thousands of pounds a week. But it's not like that. You might go and see a League Two player and he might be on decent money for two years. And that's it. And it's about telling those lads. But it's a totally different game now. The agents seem to have taken over. They'll have a financial advisor they're working with and things like that. I'm not affiliated to any agents. I am a financial planner. I'm an ex-footballer. And I just think that if some lad come to me or I look after a lad and new throws me into somebody, that's kind of the way I'll do it. But I'm as perfectly comfortable speaking to some old guy about his pension. And being perfectly honest, they're probably a bit easier to deal with. And that's not having a go at footballers because I've been there and been one myself. But the it, it is a different game now from when I did it. The money, the agents, the social media side of it, all that. I get all that and I realise that things do evolve and move on. But I still think that as an ex player who's got qualified in this side of the on this side of the fence that I can add value to that, but I don't go in and speak to clubs anymore. I might get a referral from a lad who I look after who will say, 80. just like I said about Dean all them years ago, where do I go for my first mortgage? How do I do it? And that's where, you know, I can kind of help players, I
3: think. You get in and have a chat with Tom Lowry. Get get it, tell him sign that bloody contract. Yeah, well that's the
2: thing. I'm not I'm not an agent, so I don't get involved on that side of things I, know, and, I know. and I think that I know you're only joking, but there is yeah. you'll be surprised at how many people think that you're an agent and they see that football yeah. link and they go, and I say, look, and, and that's the problem that comes. I can go have a good meeting with a lad and I'll explain all what he's not doing in terms of his planning, and everybody's different. They're all earning different money, they're all at different ages. And I'll say, look, this is maybe what you might need to do but they're still very much affiliated to their agent. And then they'll still go back to that agent and say, well, I've gone and seen this advisor. And the agent will say, yeah, but my, my guy can do that. And I just look at it and go, why have not he been doing that for you already then? You know, what have you? why haven't you been planning two Absolutely. years ago? Why didn't you start yeah. sooner? And that's one of the many reasons why, you know, it, it does. Not all like that. Don't get me wrong. You'll get some level-headed, level-headed lads who've got their head screwed on who do appreciate sound advice. And, you know, but it's boring telling somebody to, Overpay a mortgage in it, you know. When you know, because you know, at thirty-five they might not be playing football anymore. Mm. And I compare it to real world, where I say, you know, people who've got jobs in, as I call it, the real world outside of football, you, they don't all of a sudden get told at 31 32 that the legs have gone and there's no contract there from you know. Their their kind of earnings is on a on a progression, and they'll keep going up and going up and it. Lads just don't grasp it a lot of time. It, it, you'll be surprised, but, and again, they'll be ruled by what their agent's telling them.
1: Uh, I always end on a, on a lighter note. Um, I feel like everyone's got a favourite Dario and or Neil Baker story. So if, if, if you do, over to you. Just,
2: just with Dario, just it, it were quite abrupt at times with people. We went down for an evening meal and you'd get your usual stuff. There'd be chicken, there'd be vegetables, all in your big silver trays to help yourself and then there'd be pasta, you know, carb loading Friday night, that kind of thing. Anyway, this pasta, in Dario's opinion, weren't the best. So he called the young girl over, who hadn't even cooked it, who were just waiting on us all, said to this young girl, excuse me, but this pasta is horrible. Um, and this girl said something back to him, and she said about that it weren't, or whatever, and Dario turned around and says, trust me, love, it is, and I should know, because I'm Italian. And this young girl was she's only a waitress she's only about 16 um and she like just turned around and looked at him and i thought (laughs) he probably didn't mean to be as rude as he were but that would dario for you do you know what i mean and you you could just then just cut the atmosphere and i'm thinking i felt like i wanted to smooth it over with this young girl and just say to her look probably didn't mean it like that no you haven't made it yourself well, can you maybe bring a sauce out or something for this pastor? <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that's just just how we were and so on. And then all the other stuff, what the lads have already said, you know, with he watching the videos on the Monday morning and he couldn't grasp the rewind button and we'd go back another 20 minutes. And, you know, Rich Walker telling that story. I were in absolute stitches with it. And I could remember it to the letter, you know, where he kept reading. And Rich was saying, I'd made this mistake. But Daryl kept rewinding past it and then he'd do it again. I think, oh God, we're gonna see me dragging this kid back again and all the lads were giggling. When Rich told that honestly, I absolutely I couldn't I, I totally forgot at the time and then I just brought it all by. It absolutely brilliant, fantastic. Bates, Bates was just a nice guy, you know, you could. Um, You know, like I say, he, he'd see Dario in that example I said before, come down the bus, got the face on with everybody like that, and then Bakes would come down the bus and smooth it all over and have a laugh and a joke with you. And he just got this this manner about him where he was quite cool. You know, he looked with his tattoos and that. You know, he'd got this big reputation, but he was a big softy. I thought Bakes, he was just a lovely guy, and he'd come down and and say and have a. He'd be, he'd be the type to you know see Dario have a go at someone, and Bakes would put put their arm around, especially some of them young kids who who maybe needed that and weren't used to Dario's way of, like I said before, just, you know, how cutting
0: he were at times and probably didn't mean to be. Excellent. Um, I think we're going to call it a day there. Um, We'll stop recording, then I'm going to see what free financial advice I can get for a teacher. Um, But thank you so much for coming on today.
2: No worries. Thanks for asking me. I've really enjoyed it, guys. And like I say, uh, Cruel's a special place in my heart. Uh, Going back there, like I say, some were born there, loved the club, still go back now to Nantwich, got friends down there. And uh, I'm, you know, look, even though my career didn't pan out as I'd like from a football point of view, I'm really pleased that 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 were a part of my life that
0: I went and and signed down there. Excellent. Steve and Steve, thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week. Until then, goodbye. Bom bomb, bom bomb, bomb,
3: ba bomb, dang, 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 ding, dang, ding, 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 ding,